Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Second Kings chapter 16 uh, first, and there's going to be verses on the screen today. There is. So if you, if, I know several of you really enjoy that. Um, so we listened, we heard, and so there's going to be verses on the screen. Um, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. I feel like we have to paint a, a picture here, which is important, right? When you jump to a new book, context is everything. What, what is the book trying to say? What's the background? What's the historical background? Uh, and so moving into this series, I literally, we finished up Ruth, and I prayed, I just said, Lord, I'm, I don't have, I had one book that I want to go to, uh, and I'm praying he lets me go there next time, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one that is, but uh, I just said, Lord, I'll go to that book if that's where you want me to go, uh, but I didn't have peace about it, so I prayed, and I just said, Lord, where do you want me to go next? What book do you want us to go through? And if you're new to Bethlehem, online or in person, we preach through a book of the Bible. It's not like a, a topic or, you know, uh, sometimes churches, and I'm not bashing that. This isn't, we're right, they're wrong. Everybody does it differently. You feel me? Uh, that's something that our culture needs to understand. Not everybody's going to agree with each other, and that doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong. You understand what I'm saying? right? Uh, they do it a, a different way. So I'm not downing, you know, when they have series like Church at the Movies or whatever. I would love to do something like that. Maybe the Lord will let me do it one day. But for the most part, what we do here is we go systematically through Scripture. And our goal is, is I, I look back when we first started, I think we've been through uh, seven seven or eight books of the Bible. So that means if you've started with us five years ago from the beginning, you have a good grasp, a good handle on at least seven out of the 66 books. Uh, and so look, in 20 years, we're, we're all gonna walk through scripture together. And if you stay and if you hang out, uh, you're gonna have a good grasp of what the books of the Bible mean and what the message is. I, I can't think of better content to preach than scripture itself, can you? Right? No? Uh, anyway, uh, so my point is, is that that's what we do. We go through books of the Bible. And so I prayed about it and immediately, and when I say immediately, I mean like right then and there. When I said, Lord, what scripture, what passage do you want me to go to? Habakkuk came to my mind instantly. And think, put that, put that title slide up there, Russ. Uh, look, at, look at this word. If, if this, I think it's in there, it might, where it just says Habakkuk, is that in there? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, you know what? Oh, see that right there? If a word like that comes right to your mind, the Lord did it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's a strange word. It's, it's really weird. And Habakkuk was like right there. I was like, okay, all right, that's a clear sign. Haven't read that one in a while. And so uh, I've, I felt the Lord leading us there. So then, like right then and there, I was at my, at my bar uh, in, my, in my wife's kitchen. It's not my kitchen, it's her kitchen, you feel me? Uh, so I was sitting at the bar in the kitchen, and I just uh, pulled out my phone, turned to Habakkuk chapter 1. Uh, do you turn to it if it's in your phone? I don't know. I really don't know, but it was uh, my Bible app. I opened it up, and, and I read the book. It's a short book, short read. And, man, I'm going to trip over something. And uh, anyway, I, I read it, and I was like, whoa, this is definitely 
the passage, the scripture that the Lord has for us in this moment. And here's why. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about this more. We're going to unpack it. Um, but we've been talking a lot about prayer. Has anybody noticed that? Wednesday nights, we've been talking a lot about prayer. We're beginning uh, a new year. We believe that we, we need the Lord to do something. We need the Lord to uh, make a move in our lives. And many of you have expressed that there are things that you want to see the Lord do in your life. Is, is anybody else in that place? Anybody want to see the Lord do something in their life? Right. Uh, a lot of us are in that place. And how we accomplish that is prayer, right? Is, is speaking to the Lord and talking to him. And when I read it, it's unlike any other prophetic book. He's, they, they call them the 12, and, and then you have a part of the prophets, the 12 prophets, uh, you have some minor prophets and some major prophets, this would be considered a minor prophet, um, but most of the prophets in the Old Testament are receiving a prophecy from who? From God, and they carry it to who? The people. This one's different. The majority of the prophecies in scripture, the prophet is called by the Lord, he receives a word from the Lord, and he gives it to the people. The difference with this one, this one in particular, none of the others, this one is he receives the cry from the people and carries it to the Lord. That's a, a huge difference, a huge difference. And if there's ever a time in my life that I could hear a cry, it's in 2022. If there's ever a time that the narrative would then come from, from us to God, it would be this year. Going to this pastor's conference recently, uh, it's just a bunch of pastors in the room talking about how we can do church better, right? And hearing many of them are discouraged. Many of them, I mean, let's just, I, I can be honest with, with our church, right? This is, this, is, this is just us. We're, this isn't a show. This is our community, our church community. There may be one person sitting here that thinks that uh, COVID isn't real. And there's someone across the aisle that was actually impacted by COVID and on a ventilator. Everybody's in the same room. There may be one person here that voted uh, one particular color and watch certain news networks and then someone on, on across the aisle, or maybe even right next to you, voted a different color and watches a whole different set of networks. And if you were to talk about anything in the world, everything would be fine unless you talked about the color that you voted. And then it would be like an explosion, a nuclear explosion, right? And that's what we've been leading through as pastors, people that are on polarizing ends, because unfortunately, in our America... Whether or not you have a face mask on or not generally tells what side you voted for. We've been polarized to the point that uh, we, we align and we know where we align based on uh, actions that the news media tells us and how we should act moving forward. And then as a pastor, I'm standing up going, none of that matters. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter. You understand. Only by pride cometh contention, Scripture says. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican. I care if you know the gospel. I care if you have a relationship with Jesus. 
But American nationalism, one polar opposite end, people that think that you can't be saved. Do you know that there are missionaries that go to other countries and share the gospel, and those people that get saved, they don't have a clue about America? Do you understand that? (laughs) You can be saved and have a relationship with Jesus and not pledge allegiance to the flag. Does everybody know that? Somehow in 2022, we've forgotten that. Oh no, oh no, they are not saved. How does someone have that perspective, that political? Look, we are distracted. We are distracted, disjointed. If, if the devil can use media and politics to divide, he'll use anything. He'll use you. He'll use your words. How many have ever been on the wrong end of that, saying something that is twisted or in such a way that it's used out of context or my my point is is look we're screwed up if we're all going to be honest and transparent we we've got stuff that we've accumulated many of us have have been dealt a loss in a marriage or in an area where you thought you had victory over a sin and you didn't look this is 2022 And on top of that, it's not like a season where we've been through this in the past where it was like, you know, we're poor or we're devastated, right? (laughs) Uh, This is a unique season. In times past when people were just poor, and that happens in the world, right? You can pray that the Lord would turn the tide on the famine, and then when you have, when the Lord blesses you with something, you see that like the Lord moved. We're in a different position as Americans. We don't want for anything. And don't misunderstand me, I know that there is still need. I know that there's still problems and there are issues with provision, but overall, we're sitting here today with a government that said, oh wait, we'll just give you money. Oh, you've got a problem? Oh, you'd like to stay home? Sure, we'll just send you money. No, I'm just, look, I'm being real with you, right? We have a cry, we have an issue, and daddy government says, I've got it. We'll just write the check. I mean, we all did. I mean, even as I've got like 100 kids now at this point. I've got a lot of children, right? And it's like, how much money per kid? And you're just going to wire that stuff in my bank account? Sure, why not? I mean, let's go. My, my point is, is it looks, sorry. It looks differently than it has in times past. Okay. (laughs) Follow my logic. You don't have to just take your problem to the Lord. There's other solutions out there. But people are more disconnected now than they've ever been. People are more ungrateful now than they've ever been. People are, watch this, lazier now than they've ever been. How does that work? I mean, we have this great, incredible country that's able to just like write checks and there's no ramifications and we all get richer. How does that work? This is amazing. Wouldn't you think people would work harder to keep that? (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) No, they don't. We're more entitled, more lazy, more God forsaken than ever, right? This is the state. This is the current state of affairs that we're living in. People need Jesus now more than ever. Do you understand? This is a weird world we're living in right now. It's strange. It's never gonna be normal. 
Were we, were, we, were we ever normal? Was this ever normal? No. My point is, is that there's people in this room that see things differently. There's people that are going to come from different angles. Regardless of what angle you come from, regardless of how you feel about the current landscape, you need Jesus. And watch this. He needs you. We have been commissioned with the Great Commission. Regardless of how you feel and feel so strongly about a certain issue, what has to be more important to you is whether or not that person that you disagree with knows Jesus or not. That's tough. That's hard to work through. But if there's ever a passage of scripture that can deal with it and work through this, it's this one. This one looks at the current landscape and he's like, I'm upset about it. God, I, I just want you to know that I'm not happy with the way things are playing out. Wait a minute, I thought prophets were to receive the word from the Lord and give it to the people. Well, yeah, that's typically how it works. But sometimes the Lord works prophetically in your pain. Sometimes how you per perceive things and how you see the world around you, you're seeing it through a lens for a reason, for a perspective. And the Lord is going to, in turn, use that in your life and in your heart. So that's kind of like uh, giving it away a little bit. But I want to give you a little bit, little bit, little, want to give you a little background. It's really hard to get that out, man. I want to give you a little background and walk through this. So, just in case you're new to Scripture, you don't just read like a book chronologically. There could be twelve books that are written like prophets that are really written and, and deal with and talk about the same period of time. Does that make sense? So there, there may be like four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Does anybody know what the fourth one is? Mm-hmm. That one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that deal with the same period of time. What's that period of time? Jesus' life, right? When he was born and uh, some talk about uh, the majority of them talk about his ministry. The book of Acts is the first 30 years of church history, right? So the book of Acts is really a synopsis of where all of Paul's 13 letters fit in. It's not chronological. You don't just open up your Bible and, and start at Genesis and you're reading the history of the world. It doesn't quite work that way. So you need to understand where, where does this book fit in. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, today's going to be a lot of Oh, we're actually doing pretty good on time. We're going to do a lot of background, uh, but we're going to end today with an application. We're only going to deal with the first 11 verses of Habakkuk. Uh, but here's a little background. Uh, we already spoke of this, but Habakkuk speaks to the people for God. Uh, 2 Kings 16 verses 1 through 4. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey so that you see the part of the text where Habakkuk takes place. Um, Understanding that the Lord is judging uh, the nation of Judah uh, because of the way that their kings have acted, because of the way that they have uh, voted. How about we say it that way, right? That makes sense. Um, you know, how many know that your actions have ramifications? The law of sowing and what? Reaping. Uh, these are things that people don't talk about often, but um, Israel, God's chosen nation, they did some things that were really uh, horrific, really terrible. And, and because of that, 
the Lord judged them. The, the Lord put them through a series of events that were painful. And so, uh, really, when some people read, read the scripture, and I see this a lot, and I think that we have to reconcile this um, in 2022, right? Because everybody wants to watch a one-minute TikTok, and then they're experts. That's how it works. Did everybody know that? That's how it works. One-minute TikTok equals expert, right? So uh, people get on there and talk about, did you see this verse in the Bible? And that must mean that the Bible's awful and horrible because kids died in the Bible. Okay, um, Anybody ever watched a movie like The Eternals? Who watched Eternals? Anybody? This is really good, wasn't it, Luke? Did you like it? It was, it was, I felt like, we could talk about this for about an hour, but I felt like they did a pretty good job. And it was like almost, you should watch The Eternals. It was really good. Uh, but I felt like they were portraying civilizations, They were portraying how the world works and evolves, right? And then how there are people pulling strings. From a a worldview like the Unseen Realm or a Michael Heiser, I talk about him a lot, it actually makes a lot of sense. And so when you think about someone, what's the guy's name who had like the mind control? Uh, Do you remember? I can't remember. He he like had the power, one of the Eternals that had the power of, of mind control. He was like basically looking at the, the leader of the band, so to speak, uh, I think her name is Selma Hayek, and he was like, look, I can just control their minds and make them do what they should be doing. And they were looking at him and they were saying like, that's a bad idea though, because then they're not human. They're not making their own decisions. They at that point just become robots. And if y'all don't know, in the next 10 years, we're all going to have a Neuralink and we're all going to be robots if Elon Musk has this way. You got it? That's how it's going to be. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> if I start twitching during my message, <laughs> you'll know something's up. <laughs> what happened? I got my Neuralink. <laughs> anyway, need new software. Anyway, <laughs> we're headed that way, iRobot. Will Smith, rest in peace with that marriage. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, but um, <laughs> that was pretty rough, wasn't it? Anyway, my point is, I don't know what my point is. Even Hollywood is depicting this struggle, the, the ancient struggle of decision, right? Letting people make decisions that have a horrific outcome so that they learn, so that they see, so that they develop, so that they change. You know, the Lord... He, this, is, this is what makes sense with the gospel. In case you're wondering, why is Pastor Matt a Christian? Why do I believe the gospel? I believe the gospel to its core because I have a God that chose to put himself in the way of suffering. I have a God that understood that we were destroying ourselves and instead of doing a God thing and wiping them off the face of the map, instead of being a Thanos to keep with the illustrations and just literally snapping our fingers and changing that because that's what God could have done, God said, I'll go down and I'll bear the brunt. I'll die. I'll, I'll put myself in humanity's place and make the decision that they cannot make. And then I'll, in fact, allow them free will to even choose that if they want it or not. Mind blown. That's the gospel. And so we live in a time frame. Think about how God feels. Can I just be transparent with you this morning? Because I've already started, so here we are. (laughs) Think about how God feels. 
I literally gave my son, I paved the way, I told him, I gave him an instruction manual, the book, I used Israel as an example of what to do and what not to do, even made a way of escape for them, and they still choose to do stupid stuff instead of follow me. (laughs) And here's what we do, we play the blame game. God, how can you, God? Do horrible things like that in the world. How can you allow horrific things to happen on this planet? If you, if there was a God, right? We ask all those questions that are real questions. But if we were to take a step back, we would see that we are the cause. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, the, The prophet Isaiah says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. So when we are filthy rags, uh, wipe something with a filthy rag, it's filthy. When two filthy people start a marriage, we have rotten children. (laughs) And that perpetuates. (laughs) You make a lot of jokes about kids right there, but I won't. My children are perfect. (laughs) No, they're not. If you don't believe in original sin, then you don't have a two-year-old. <laughs> End of story. End of story. My point is, is we've got to start unpacking this thing called our planet and looking through the right lens. Looking through what I would call a gospel-centered worldview. Not a you-centered worldview. We've got a lot of young people that are self-centered. Everything revolves around them. The decisions that they made revolves around them. That's why I love this study. Because the prophet took a step back and said, here's what I'm seeing, God. And he chose to say the things that nobody else would say. That's what this prophet does. So here's what's happening. 2 Kings chapter 16. I may take a whole week to develop this thought. We might not get to the application today. And I'd be okay with that. All right, so that means you just have to come back next week. To hear more, okay? Second Kings 16, 1 through 4. Here was the lay of the land within Israel and Judah, a separated, a divided kingdom, and how their kings were acting. Second Kings 16, 1 through 4. It says, In the 17th year, and I'm going to probably murder these names, Pekah, son of Remilia, Ahaz, son of jo- uh, Jotham, became king of Judah. He became king, and this is the same Judah that the prophet Habakkuk is going to speak to. So we're we're talking about the same nation. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord as God, like his ancestor, who who is it? David. David. That's King David, right? The man after God's own heart. So his ancestors, so now we're great, 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 were removed from Solomon, his sons, uh, Rehoboam, uh, what was the other fellow's name? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, the kingdom has split. We're a few kings down the line, and this king is not doing the things right, and he's not acting the way David acted. Let's keep going. Verse 3, but walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even sacrificed his son in the fire imitating the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had disposed, uh, dispossessed rather, forgive me, the Lord had dispossessed, in other words, the Lord no longer owned them, he turned them over, similar to the, the Tower of Babel incident, before the Israelites. Verse number four, he sacrificed and burned incense 
on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. So what led to the prophet having the perspective of everything being in chaos? This. I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture of why things were the way they were. By the time King David uh, was a few generations removed, we have a king that literally sacrificed his own son to the God of Molech. Now let's go to 2 Kings 16, same chapter, verse seven. Look at verse seven. So Ahaz, we're talking about Ahaz here, sent messengers to King Tilgath-Pelesier of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of King of Aram and of the King of Israel, Judah and Israel being separate, who are rising up against me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace and sent them to the king of Assyria as a bribe. So the king of Assyria listened to him and marched up to Damascus and captured it and deported its people to Ker, but put Rezin to death. Look at verse 10. King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet King Tilgath-Pileser of Assyria. And when he saw the altar that was in Damascus, King Ahaz sent a model of the altar and complete plans for its construction to priest Uriah. Uriah built the altar according to all the instructions King Ahaz sent from Damascus. Therefore, by the time King Ahaz came back from Damascus, the priest Uriah had completed it. Verse number 7 of chapter 17. Go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse number 7, and it'll be on the screen. What just happened? Not only do we have a king uh, who says, I don't care what my great-great-great-great-granddaddy did. I'm going to sacrifice my own son to the gods of Molech. I, I don't care, next king, I, I don't care uh, if, if Yahweh should be the one and only God of Israel. I don't care that I'm literally going to the dispossessed or the disinherited gods of the nations, the, the king of Judah. Wait, 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 is that the same Judah in, in the book of Ruth that she would literally give everything for? The book of Ruth where she literally would lay everything on the line uh, to end up in a relationship with Boaz, redeeming everything that her and Naomi worked for. Yeah, the same nation. The same grandfather that would then, Obed, uh, begat Jesse, who would begat who? King David. And the Lord would bless a nation. That nation would become godless. That nation, just a few hundred years later, would then have King Ahaz doing deals with the Assyrian Empire, taking money out of God's house and bribing them. Then not only does he bribe, not only does he take from the Lord's temple, bribe another nation, do a backdoor deal to receive protection because he knew this is what happens when you're not right with the Lord. You use the Lord's resources to protect you. But the Lord's resources are never as good as the Lord himself. Oh yeah, that was free. Here's, here's, here's the point. Here's what he does. He makes a backdoor deal, and then he says, I like their altar. I, I, like their, I like the way they worship their other gods. My man has the audacity to take plans from another god's temple and sends them back to the priest Uriah. And what does Uriah do? He has to build it. He's doing what he's told. They reconstruct 
a place of worship in the place where they should only be worshiping God. Do you see what's happening? Our lights are dimming. (laughs) Sorry. I think I can fix that maybe. There we go. Sorry. This is a hot mess. Do you you see what's happening? Let's keep going, right? This isn't all. Verse number 17, 2 Kings chapter 17 rather, verse number 7 says this, this disaster happened because the people of Israel sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from the power of Pharaoh king of Egypt and because they worshipped other gods. They forgot where they came from. You see it? The entire Exodus story of them coming out of bondage, watch this, is going to repeat itself. Look, if the Lord tries to teach you a lesson and you don't get it, guess what? You're going to go through it again. This is something that we continue to not learn. What, what do we never learn from history? Yeah, is that we don't learn from history? The heck is wrong with us? My goodness. Look, if you don't learn that lesson, it's coming back. It's coming back. So many things to say right there. Just receive that for whatever situation you're in. Look at 2 Kings chapter 21. You ready for this? Here's King Manasseh. 2 Kings chapter 21 verses 2 through 6. Now we're really getting close here. We're really getting close to the time of Habakkuk. But these events are what led to that. You see what I'm saying? 2 Kings 21 verse 3 it says this. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had destroyed and reestablished the altars for Baal. So we have kings that would step step into into leadership and, and, and they would make the right decisions. I'm thinking of King Josiah. But then within one generation, it's fallen back apart again. It, within one generation, they, they go backwards. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had destroyed, reestablished. Look at verse number uh, four. He built altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where I will put my name. There was only one name supposed to be in Jerusalem as a God that was to be served, and that name was Yahweh, one God, the God of Israel. But they built altars to other gods. Verse number five, he built altars to all of the stars in the sky. In both courtyards of the Lord's temple, he sacrificed his son in the fire. He practiced witchcraft and divination and consulted mediums and spiritualists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight, angering him. Unbelievable. Can you see the pattern of worshiping other gods? It costs them everything. Consider this, and this is just free once again as we're reading scripture here. Pharaoh, to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, what did he do? What was the final straw that broke Pharaoh's back? They took the firstborn son. Can can you understand this? Wrap your mind around this. The Lord, the very thing that that the Lord used to get them out of, to, to use for Exodus, to get them out of bondage, out of the land of Egypt, the worst thing that Pharaoh could have ever imagined was losing his firstborn son. When you're far from the Lord, you give away the very thing that, that means the most to you. You give it away. 
You, you say, it's really not that big of a deal. How is it not that big of a deal? These kings are literally sacrificing their firstborn son. When you are far from the Lord, when you're deep and steeped in sin, it will take and strip everything from you. I've watched people, even recently, because they're blinded by their sin, flush their whole lives down the toilet. And I'm sitting there going, do you not see it? And the answer is no. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will take everything from you. They literally gave their firstborn son the very thing that the Lord had to take from their enemies. That's a bad sign. That's pretty weighty. King Amnon took the throne and also did, this is just me giving a synopsis, trying to catch you up here. King Amnon uh, took the throne and also did evil in the sight of the Lord. But here's that instance I was saying. But his son Josiah, taking the throne after Amon was assassinated, he became king at the age of eight. He was used by the Lord to establish Yahweh as the only God to be worshipped, and he did some great things. But he was also killed in battle, and his son did not take the same path. Jehoiakim, and we believe uh, Jehoiakim was, was the one here in charge, running the show when Habakkuk uh, was pinned. That's kind of what the narrator is, is implying. And we know that based on the fact that he's saying in verse 6 that his enemies, the Chaldeans. So we take that verse and we compare it with the historical record of other scripture. So Jehoiakim was certainly not a worthy successor to his father. 2 Kings 24 verse 4 describes him, watch this, as a tyrant who shed innocent blood in Jerusalem. Jeremiah described him as an unjust and brutal, uh, uh, whose chief interest was uh, in the sumptuous enlargement of his palace. Available records show him as the only king of Judah who put a prophet of Yahweh to death. So this guy, Jehoiakim, uh, in his reign, literally put one of the prophets to death. And he was the only one to do that. Not even Manasseh could claim that. Um, and that's an excerpt from one of the commentaries. So this guy was horrible. The prophet Jeremiah describes him as one that would literally shed innocent blood in his own city. Would kill people in the streets. So the historical context here. During the winter of 598 and 597, Babylonian troops, apparently strengthened by contingents from Israel's neighbors entered Judah, captured Jerusalem on March 16, 597 B.C. In the meantime, Jehoiakim had died. Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiashin, the new king, captive to Babylon and placed another son of Josiah on the throne, naming him Zedekiah. They changed his name. You see, uh, when the Lord redeems you, he changes your name. He gives you a new name. The enemy does the same thing. The enemy also, when you give way, he changes your name. He gives you a new name. He erases the memory of what the Lord had done in your life. And he, and he says, no, this is your new reality. So that's kind of the situation that's taken place. You have Josiah trying to turn the tide in Judah. He does so from the age of eight. What does that mean? It means that he had some, some pretty good advisors around him. It means that there were some people that wanted to see Jerusalem restored to its original place, worshiping Yahweh in the temple, and he did so. He was rebuilding the temple. He was putting resources back into the house of God, and literally in a tragic story, he goes to battle Josiah, and he is killed 
in battle. And literally his sons are put into a place of leadership from the enemy, from Babylon, the Chaldeans, and that's really where we can draw the line from Habakkuk and from his scenario of what he's seeing is right there in history. Right at that place where Israel had seen, a Judah rather, had seen a resurgence of following Yahweh only to see it collapse again. Only to see Babylon step in, rename the son uh, and give him a Babylonian name and say, you're going to rule from here and this is how you're going to do it. We see in the excerpts above that it was a time of compromise, division, and doubt. Can you see that? Can you see that the lay of the land was compromise, division, and doubt? Habakkuk adopted the role of the philosopher of religion. If you follow the Enneagram, he was probably an Enneagram 4, that's my guess. Seeking to understand the troubling times in the light of his theological heritage. Whereas his colleagues served primarily as messengers from God to the people, Habakkuk took the concerns that troubled him and his fellow citizens to God. Such actions show that he was an honest doubter, contemplative, speculative by nature, with moral and ethical sensitivity searched for the truth, maintained profound reverence for God with a deep personal faith. Watch this. The almost consensus view sees the wicked in Judah itself and sees the Chaldeans as the instrument to the Lord punishing the wicked. When what we're about to read in the text, the general consensus among scholars is that the wicked that is talked about in Habakkuk is coming out of their own city. Can we see that? Can we see that in the book of Kings? That is the picture that is being painted. And we have the probable dates somewhere around 612 BC, just prior to the fall of Nineveh, which you would understand where the relation would be to the book of Jonah. Now, let's go uh, quickly to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter one, and we're gonna read the first 11 verses. It says this, Habakkuk chapter one, the pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw, here's the prayer. Everybody engage, ready? How about we do this? Everybody take a deep breath. (gasps) This happens every time it's the first message in a series. It's a ton of like historical data and you guys are like, I'm in seminary class. But it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. Would I rather just tell some jokes and a poem and give you a few points and send you on your way? No, I wouldn't. (laughs) All right. Let's jump in. This is the good stuff. Everybody should have a pretty good worldview. Uh, This is probably somewhere between the movie Troy and 300. You got it? Everybody understand? Not quite, but you get my point. Where this is historically, where it fits in the context of Scripture, if you were to go read 2 Kings uh, chapter 21 through 25, that's what we're dealing with here. Okay, Uh, So the pronouncement, verse 1, that the prophet Habakkuk saw, verse 2, how long? Don't miss his prayer. If you ever want to experience a heavy hitter like, like David, King David, a prophet, prophet Habakkuk, you see, we, we're so flippant with scripture. And if you haven't read scripture in the last week, two weeks, three weeks, you're flippant with scripture. <laughs> it's a two-edged sword, right? No, I'm not flippant with scripture. When was the last time you read it? You feel, you feel me? Right, So uh, the point is, is if you ever want to get an inside look on what a prophet's prayer was, all you have to do is read the Bible. 
I don't know how to pray. I just don't know what to say. How about you just take what somebody else knew what to say and read it to God? Start there. You understand what I'm saying? Is that too superficial? You guys struggle with that a little bit? I don't have no problem ripping off somebody else's prayer. It clearly worked. It made it in the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all are like, I ain't doing that. You're looking at me like I got three heads. It's okay. You'll get there. You'll get in a place where you might not have the strength to pray it, but you'll take someone else's strength and apply it to your life. What we're about to read is his prayer. It's pretty amazing. I'm not letting you read my prayers. (laughs) You ain't touching my stuff. (laughs) Here it is, verse two. How long, Lord, must I call for help? This is why this is so good for right now. Habakkuk's first prayer. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? You thought your prayers were transparent. The only prophet praying for the people to God is this guy right here and listen to his words. How long, God? How long are you gonna let violence be in the streets? How long are you gonna let the wicked reign in Judah? There are people here that still uh, believe your name. There are still people here that believe Yahweh is the one true God. Why aren't you showing them? Why aren't you coming down here and doing something about it? How long? Has anybody thought that way over the last year? How long? How long will you not be the most important thing? How long will you let America sit and sleep and and just literally consume each other? How long? Verse three, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and the conflict escalates. Here's this verse. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. That's his first prayer. That's his first prayer. Think about the race riots that have happened just in the last few years. Think about the disruption in our nation because some are saying injustice and others are saying it's plenty just. Everything's fine. Look, whatever, whatever place you stand on, whatever purview you have, if you have eyes to see there's injustice in our world, If you have eyes to see there's conflict, there's sin, there's division, think about the roots of our nation. If we don't have empathy to feel when other people, Scripture tells us to weep with those who what? Weep. If you're ever in a position where someone is crying and you can't cry with them, you have a problem. You have a problem. Because even even in the gospel, there is a place where Jesus is nigh to those that are of of a broken heart. My point is, is you think that you're making a difference by taking a stand. You think you're making a difference by, by having the answer to the injustice. Is that what the prophet did here? The prophet was with those that were mourning. The prophet was with those that were weeping. The prophet was with those that felt like they, uh, 
had a big plate of injustice served to them. Do you, do you sense that? Do you see this? Look at his prayer. Let it resonate. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Has anybody ever felt that way about the Lord? Let's be honest this morning. You're not fooling anybody. You ain't fooling anybody acting like you don't have a problem with what's going on. You know all the cliche statements about walking a mile in their shoes and so on and so forth. And, and I understand that what I'm speaking to could be applied to many things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can be applied to many different things. But this idea specifically, the prophet comes right out and talks about injustice. Think about the perspective. The king just killed his own what? His own son. The people who cannot defend themselves are being killed. He knows what the answer is, and the answer is the Lord. And it seems that the Lord turns a deaf ear to their nation, but that's not what was going on. Look at verse number five. This is the Lord's answer. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to give some practical, practical points. But look at the Lord's answer. How many sense the strength of Habakkuk's prayer? Anybody see that? The vulnerability. It's, it's something. It's incredible. Here's what God says. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. That's not the answer that I thought the Lord was gonna to give to that prayer, just to be, to be honest. When I read that, I was like, that, that's not how I would have responded, Lord. He says, look, I am raising up the Chaldeans. That's Babylon. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. That bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories and not its own. Their fierce, terrifying, their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Don't miss this. They stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings. The rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like, like the wind and pass through. What's this last statement? They are guilty and their strength is their what? Their strength is their God. Most scholars say that the problem, the wickedness, is not the Chaldeans. It's not the Babylonians. It's Judah themselves. The Lord literally says to them, I, I'm using these horrible people. The, these people that, that literally have no justice system. Their God is their own strength. It's their own ability. 
you, you just watch and see, Habakkuk. Open your eyes and observe what I'm about to do. Do you sense what's happening, this conversation? There's another prayer and another response that we'll talk about next week. And then there's a song that he sings at the end. But I want to talk about this first prayer and response. Here's my observations from the transparent prophet's prayer. And some of you need to take verses one through four into your prayer closet this week. Here's my observations from Habakkuk to the Lord. It's, it's only him that this has happened with. You ready? Number one, honesty and transparency in your prayer time is essential. Look, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. We've, we've built the context. We understand the background. We understand why they were in the place that they were in. But it didn't change the fact that Habakkuk felt a certain kind of way towards it. It didn't change the fact that he saw children dying. He saw injustice happening, and he was not okay with it. You see, we think that because the Lord is in control, that it's not okay for us to tell him that we don't like what he's controlling. Number one, honesty and transparency are essential for your prayer time. Maybe today, if only one in this room walks away and you tell the Lord the things you were afraid to say, maybe only one will see breakthrough, but it was worth it. It was worth it. What are you afraid to say to God that he doesn't already what? He already knows. He has a plan. But you see, the wickedness was coming from within. Maybe your honesty and transparency in your prayer life needs to be about your own stuff. Your own sin. And maybe it needs to be about someone else's that you're seeing. But honesty and transparency are necessary for proper prayer. It's not the words, right? Some of us maybe, I know I like to do it, read Valley of Vision, the Book of Common Prayer. We read what those that have gone before us have written to the Lord, and it sounds really good. But you know the best thing for your prayer life to start on fire is this, honesty and transparency. Why don't you tell the Lord how you really feel this week and see what begins to develop. Here's why you don't, because this is why I don't. When I put it out there, then I gotta deal with it. I gotta actually do something. <laughs> you see, if I don't talk about it, then I can keep doing what I'm doing. And here's what we do, we compare. I'm Habakkuk, I'm a prophet, I'm not over here killing my kids. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? I'm not killing my children but I'm doing this, I'm, I'm doing this, and whatever this is, that's what you got. That, that's what's in your, what's in your wallet? That's what just came to my mind. <laughs> that's what's in your wallet, what's in your wallet? Capital One. <laughs> you get my point. We're okay as long as we're praying about everybody else's sin, until it's our own. Honesty and transparency. And with what he was talking about, he said, I'm not internally okay, God, with how you're handling this situation. Let me come right to your front doorstep. I'm not okay, God, with you taking my children. 
I'm not okay, God, with the way I feel my life is gone. I'm not okay, God, with, with uh, literally how this whole thing is played out with my marriage, with my relationships, with my friendships. I'm anxious, I'm depressed, and I hate it. When was the last time you were okay to actually be transparent in your prayer time? But when you do that, he's going to answer you. He's going to answer. The first time, really? This is the first prophet that took a message from the people to God? Yeah! Everybody's wondering, when, when's the Lord going to speak into my life? When are you going to start fronting with the Lord? Draw nigh to and hill. He's not changed his position. He knows what he's doing next. You don't. Look, if we can begin this series with this idea of honesty and transparency, we'll make some headway in this, in this book. Some of y'all need to tell the Lord how you feel. He already knows. Mm-hmm. What good's gonna come of that? That's on him. That's not on you. You understand what I'm saying? What good is this gonna do? Let him take what's broken and put it back together. You're not doing any good holding it in. Number two, anger and frustration are something the Lord can handle. What's the second thing I see here in this prayer? Anger and frustration are something the Lord can handle. I just don't want to sin in my prayer life. (laughs) We're okay to sin in every other context, but we don't want to sin in our prayer lives. Your social media is lit, and you're worried about bringing a little anger and frustration into your prayer closet. Okay, yeah. You're willing to tell everybody else your business and how you feel about it, but you won't tell the Lord. Man, that was good. Y'all hit, that one hit. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. Man. Maybe we need to be talking more about gossip. That was like, We, I mean, we do. We literally, <laughs> we are the, it's ugly transparent today. You know what I'm saying? Ugly transparent. It's like, I wouldn't say that. No. People don't need to know that stuff. The stuff we put on social media, oh my goodness. I'm like, ain't nobody need to know that. Uh-uh. No. You can keep that to yourself. You sure can. Didn't need to know. Mm-mm. Nope. Was doing just fine. In fact, I think I'm going to forego lunch. But we don't talk to the Lord about it. I think it's a cop-out. I really do. Maybe you need a little anger and frustration in your prayer closet to see if you can get something done. Tell the Lord how you feel about it. I just don't know what to say. Okay, just start talking and see what comes out. Just see what comes out. He wants you to pour it out. He can't pour in until you pour out. He can't fill. He can't fill a cup full as long as it's full of anger. He's ready. He's been trying to crack and poke holes at you for years, try to drain some of that stuff. But some of us have this uncanny ability at filling up with more anger and frustration. And the Lord, remember, what are are we learning? He's going to continue to take you through the same what? Just go to your prayer closet. Let him know. Number three, prayers are two-way communication with the Lord. 
just the fact that this book exists is incredible for our faith. The fact that someone can go to God and what? Pray to them and him respond to them is monumental. It's groundbreaking. It's absolutely groundbreaking. We all have a God that wants to what? Listen. Just tell him. Here's my observations about the Lord's answers. Number one, all I'm gonna do is read these, okay? That's all we have time for. Find me in the place. Here's what the Lord was saying to, to Habakkuk. Habakkuk just like, Bleh, threw it all out there. And here's what the Lord said to him. Find me in the places you don't want to find me. I am not above your reality. I'm in your reality. You think that I don't see the injustice? I'm in the injustice. I literally, you think I like stirring up the nations of Babylon to wreck Judah? Judah's killing their firstborns. You run from God. You don't want to talk about the things that the Lord said. I'm at the center of it. But I'm a sinner, but I'm broken, but I'm doing horrible things. I know I'm your God that's at the middle of your trauma, and I'm literally the one pulling things into your life to change you. Don't miss that. We think that we're down here doing our crap that we do and that God is up there. God said, I'm stirring up the army to judge them for what they're doing. The Lord knows that you screwed up and he's using the law of sowing and reaping to spank your butt. Do you God said, find me where you don't want to find me. I'm gonna find the Lord at church today. The Lord was with you Friday night. This is real talk, real talk. The moment that you had this week that you absolutely don't want on the big screen, but I got all of them. The Lord sent them to me right now. He sent them in an email. I got all your bad moments this week, and we're going to put them all on the screen. Holy Spirit sent it. You ready? Here we go. The Lord was in that moment. Y'all would be like, get me out of this place. <laughs> get me up out of here. Oh, don't let them see it. Chill. We all got them. That's the reality of it. We could all sit here through embarrassing moments. I got my stuff. But I have a mechanism called prayer that lets me take my garbage to the Lord. And he lets me get my anger out. And he teases it out. And he says, you know that thing that you got mad that happened to you? I did it. I was at the center of it. And I was just in doing that. Because I poured out my wrath upon my son so that I could spank your God-forsaken bottom for doing what you were doing. I'm doing that because I love you. Scripture says he chastens every son whom he receives. Habakkuk goes, you're doing that? Look at verse number five. Look at the nations and observe and be utterly astounded. I ain't got time. I'm out of time. Head bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This is gonna be a good book. It's time we get right. It's time we quit wasting time. We need to be honest and transparent. We need to pour out our hearts to a God that already knows. I forgot to give you the cue, my bad. We'll get there. Church, 
I'm giving you an invitation to be real today. You say, my mom and daddy never let me be real. I'm not your mama and I'm not your daddy. And that's for darn Skippy. I'm giving you, it. I'm giving you an opportunity to be real today. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.